0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Lots of markets are moving. What does that mean to real estate investors? We're going to talk gold, interest rates, and the dollar, plus real estate today on the Real Estate Guys radio program.
1: If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up the real estate guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full time fast in the real estate syndication business these next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate there are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources the secrets of successful syndication seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than 1 billion dollars don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. It's safe to say that most of us could make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's. Pull up Google for the best recipe, buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila. But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The infinite banking concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed. It helps start the pampered chef, jc and disney world plus thousands of other businesses learn more about the infinite banking concept from our friends at paradigm life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com or by calling 1-800-870-8670
0: welcome to the real estate guys radio program i'm your host robert helms in the heat of summer we are halfway through the year let's say hello to our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey there. Can you believe we're already halfway through 2013?
2: Time flies when uh, you're having fun.
0: It's amazing. And uh, you know, as we're looking around, we've had the, uh, just a great summer. Uh, in fact, we're getting ready to travel to Las Vegas, Nevada, and hopefully uh, see some of our listeners at the Freedom Fest, which is always a hoot Annie. My goodness, this is a, an interesting event, and you'll probably hear uh, some interviews we get to uh, record there. It's where we've had a chance to interview Steve Forbes and Herman Kane and Mark Victor Hansen, and a variety of folks, and, and and it always has us thinking about what's going to be the topics, right? In fact, Russ, you're on a panel discussion, something we recreated from uh, our summit. Earlier this year on the summit, uh, we did uh, an asset class debate, debating the classes of international stocks, domestic stocks, international real estate, domestic real estate, oil, gas, gold, and now Mark Skousen, the founder of Freedom Fest, has uh, decided to reenact that.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great because it's going to be interesting to do that at the Freedom Fest crowd, which is largely a stock bond commodity investing group. In other words, they they like what I call sterile investing. I'm going to call up my broker, and I'm going to place an order, and then I'm going to have my investment show up on a piece of paper somewhere. Of course, if anybody's listening to the show, this real estate investor, they know a real estate investor is a lot more personal than that. Uh, even if you're working with a professional property manager, most of the time you're going to inspect your properties, you're going to drive your neighborhoods, you're going to have a pretty good feel for actually what the investment is at a very tactical level. And so, of course, when we did this on the summit, uh, with Peter Schiff representing the metals, g- gold and metals and foreign stocks, and John Turley representing foreign real estate, Paul Maselli from Reef was representing oil and gas, Kenny McElroy was representing big real estate, uh, Mark Skousen was representing, uh, domestic stocks, and then I was representing little greenhouses, we called it. And so we had a lot of fun with it, uh, but we were definitely preaching to a real estate focused choir, if you will. Yep. And so uh, we'll see how I do at Freedom Fest this year as I'm talking to a bunch of people who are more of the sterile kind of investors.
0: Well, and it uh, it was a great exercise because it had all of us thinking about comparing and contrasting. And once each person got to do their five minutes on why their asset class was the best, Then Tom Wheelwright came up as a CPA and talked about the tax ramifications of each. Well, we're looking at the market now, and if you've listened to the last few shows, you know we've talked about some clues in the news, and and I think this last couple of weeks has given us some additional clues, and it all focuses around what different markets are doing, and not just real estate markets. Certainly, there are some strong real estate markets. There's a lot of multiple offer real estate markets. There's a lot of markets that have record sales. That's all good news. However, at the same time, we have interesting things going on in the gold market. Gold has reached a three-year low that's interesting interest rates are on the way back up that's going to have an effect Obamacare is coming and it's going to cost more taxes are going up and again that's not political that's not opinion that's just the way it is so knowing that we want to talk through today some of the things that you should be aware of as a real estate investor because it's easy to gloss over when you hear the Dow report if you're not a stock investor you're just a real estate investor that doesn't really pay I don't really need to pay attention to that it doesn't pertain to me well, I would argue it does. As an investor, we're investing in a particular asset class. And many of our listeners obviously invest in multiple things, as do we. Our primary and favorite asset class is real estate for a whole host of reasons, which you don't think we need to get into on today's show.
2: I'll do that at Freedom Fest. All right. <laughs> uh,
0: but, uh, but let's talk about, uh, first of all, the thing that most obviously is going to have an effect on those little greenhouses and the red hotels. And that is, after many, many, many years of very low interest rates, a lot of really smart people are saying the interest rates are headed back up.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, interest rates are obviously still extremely favorable for anybody that's got a memory longer than a nat. I mean, we've got really, really favorable interest rates still below 5%. But when you're coming off of two and a half and three percent, uh, as a percentage of change, that's a significant difference. And it does have an effect on affordability. At the end of the day, real estate is not about the price of the real estate. It's really about the monthly payment. It's like when you go buy a car, you know, the first thing the guy asks you when you walk on the car lot is, well, what kind of a payment did you have in mind? And then they back into the price. Yeah. The same is very much true with real estate and equity happens. We talk about what happens even at 6% with a 30 year fixed interest rate. uh, you got a $300 a month payment is $50,000 of additional leverage. So if a person comes in with a strong income and can afford to pay $300 a month more They can literally afford to bid an extra $50,000 for that property, and that has a profound effect on price, on equity if you're on an owner, on affordability if you're a buyer, and it affects every similar house in a one-mile radius. And so that little bit of extra income has a profound difference. Conversely, if the interest rates go up and it becomes a little less affordable, now $300 a month more in interest means $300 a month less than I can afford to pay uh, towards the the mortgage, if you will, at that rate. And so it could be twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 less leverage. And so it does put downward pressure on affordability. Uh, and so that definitely has an effect.
0: And I think, you know, there's many practical ways to look at that. Those of us that have been investing for decades recognize that we've had it made interest rate-wise. That doesn't mean we've had it made loan-wise because it was really hard to get loans in 2009, right? Some of that's starting to come back, but it looks different than it did. And I think change is the only constant. We're seeing that for sure. And that will continue through the rest of your real estate career. You can't count on anything for too long. but Loans today, while becoming more available, definitely interest rates are, are inching up. And so if you have the opportunity on your properties, it's a really good time to lock in today's low interest rates.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure you want to do that because the probability is they're, they're going to go up although there's still a lot of incentive uh, by the Federal Reserve to try to influence the market to the downside. And so let's just talk for a minute about how that happens and what's going on with interest rates. Normally, rising interest rates are indicative of a stronger economy. Yep, And that's because the interest rates rise as the economy strengthens, and, and those interest rates are allowed to rise in order to cool it down a little bit. But I don't think anybody's running around thinking we're in this really robust, strong economy. And so it's kind of paradoxical that we have these interest rates rising, in particular because they've been influenced so far to the downside with this quantitative easing. So again, coming back to the mechanics of how interest rates happen in the open market. Interest rates are set based on risk premiums. And the farther out you get from absolute safety, the higher the interest rates get. Real estate is very near that center. U.S. Treasuries are the epicenter. They are the absolute safest debt that you can buy. When Treasury bonds are sold, the higher someone pays for the bond, the lower the yield or the interest rate is. We've talked about that on the show before. I'm going to go into details on that, but there's an inverse relationship. Conversely, when people begin selling the bonds and the bond prices go down, yields or interest rates go up. Well, the Fed has been buying a trillion dollars a year of bonds, and yet we have interest rates going up. So what does that tell you? That tells you that other investors are selling. And that means that the government is going to have to pay more to attract borrowers in, raise the interest rates, the yield. Uh, they're going to have to begin to, to compete for that business. And so if the Fed is committed to making interest rates go down, then they're going to have to step up with more easing but they've they've come out and said hey no we're going to begin to taper off and of course the reaction to the market in the stock market was oh my gosh that means the end of the growth so the dow dropped people are thinking well that means that they're not going to keep weakening the dollar i don't need gold as a hedge so i'm going to dump my gold and so we've seen the dow drop we've seen gold drop uh, oil is kind of off there on its own because there's a supply and demand thing that happens there, especially with what's going on in the Balkan. But but just coming back to the bond market, when when people leave the bond market, typically they go into the stock market and interest rates go up. So when the stock market is going up, normally it means interest rates will be going up as well. So that's kind of the dynamics a little bit about what's been going on behind the scenes. And you can predict... To a degree, what is likely to happen just based on watching some of those, uh, those indicators on your dashboard, if you will. On Next Year's Summit, we've
0: invited back Andy Tanner, who basically teaches the technical side of stock trading. Now, that's not what he's coming on the summit to teach. I'm sure he'll be happy to have conversations with people who are interested in that, but it's really about bringing the idea of technical analysis to real estate investors as opposed to you know, the fundamental market analysis, things you might normally look at. Well, if you step back for a minute and think about the fact that given what we've been through and where we're likely to go, lots of smart people are saying interest rates over the next few years are likely to go up. All right, well, there's obvious effect of, well, then I'm lock my loans right now. Most of us aren't going to stop buying real estate and say, well, once interest rates hit five, forget it. I'm not buying anymore. But it is going to affect you as a long-term real estate investor, and here's how. What's available to somebody in the market to either rent or purchase is influenced by interest rates. So there was that time when interest rates were going down where folks who were renters and had been renters for a long time – All of a sudden, with qualifications being eased and it being easier for people to get loans and lower credit scores allowed and all that funny stuff that went on, now solid tenants had a chance to buy, which wasn't good for long-term buy-and-hold real estate investors. Well, when the opposite happens and it becomes harder for those people to buy or they're priced out of the market, they're more likely not only to maybe pay a little more for rent, but they're likely to stay longer, knowing that in advance might influence how you decide to deploy your assets in real estate.
2: Well, and you also have to take a look at how people are viewing real estate from as a consumer. Uh, There's not that same sense of urgency, although I think it'll return to the market. You know, there are markets that are experiencing double-digit increases in price. And, you know, if you feel like, okay, I've been waiting and now I'm beginning to see the market move away from me, there are people that will begin chasing that train and jump and hold on with both fingers uh, you know, by their fingernails in order to try to ride that, that price appreciation and not let the market run away. So I think you'll get a little blip up uh, as a result of rising interest rates. People want to jump in before they get away. I think as prices go up, you'll see people jump in. Uh, the bigger question, the, the big question is how sustainable is the demand for housing in the long term based on the state of the economy? right? For purchasing housing. For purchasing.
0: Because there's always a demand for people to sleep under a roof. And I guess one of the things we live about real estate, that's not going to change. I can sit out a couple of months or a couple of years or a couple of decades of the stock market. I can't sit out the real estate market. I have to interact with real estate. I have to live under something, a roof, a right. bridge, an apartment roof, something, right? So you can't, it's, it's, not, it's not a discretionary purchase for people's monthly housing. And so how do you position yourself to be on the right side of that? Now, in case you missed the show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what looks like to be the strongest return markets in the coming year from some research that was done. So go back and listen to that if you're interested in the markets that are going to be those double-digit appreciating markets. But at the same time, the value of the property is only part of the equation. Total affordability, like the car dealer, it's about the monthly
2: payment. Well, so you have other issues now. You know, Meredith Whitney is running around talking about what bad shape the municipalities are in. And because of this, she's, she's thinking there's going to be more and more municipalities like Stockton did going bankrupt defaulting on their municipal bonds so as a you know she talks to people who make those bond investments and, and so you just need to be careful with munis but the thing is as a real estate investor why would we watch the muni market yeah we watch it because if the municipalities are having to borrow or having a hard time being able to fund their budgets what's the other way to do it they have to raise taxes does that have an impact on affordability as a landlord yes does it have impact as a renter not directly So there's going to be this period of time where you're having to absorb some of that before you can pass it on to your tenant. And as a landlord, if you're that thin, you just need to be wary of that.
0: You know, in fact, it begs another question. Overall, as values have gone down in the last five years. What has that done to the property tax base in various jurisdictions? There's less property, less aggregate total property tax dollars coming in. In markets where the value changes, it's not always done like that. It depends on where you live, how your property taxes are assessed. But typically, after several years of decreases in value, you're going to see an adjustment of some kind. So all of a sudden, the cities and counties and municipalities don't have money they used to have on an absolute basis. There's still as many houses, still as many perhaps uh, taxpayers, even when banks take over properties to pay their property tax. But that's a challenge. Are we going to start to see municipalities desperate for capital go, you know what, we could raise the property tax rate a little bit. And and of course, depending on where you live, that money goes different places too. So much to think about. We have lots more to discuss. When we come back, we'll talk about that. And before we're done today, give you a chance to win a prize on real estate trivia. This is the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms.
3: Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at
4: realestateguysradio.com. Do you know what city was ranked number one on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values. With an unprecedented demand from investors and a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash-flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non-conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass you by. Live where you want to live, but invest where the
0: numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Home Buyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloader podcast on real estate investing. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure and join us for the secrets of successful syndication. If you want to learn to aggregate capital, make lots of money using other people's money, well, join us in Phoenix, Arizona on the 23rd and 24th of August. All the details available at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about the various market metrics and where they're moving and what that means to you. We've talked interest rates and now a little bit about property tax. Uh, Let's talk about the Gold market, because even though it seems completely disrelated, you made a, a comment. I hope people got that as we're talking about the ways that the markets kind of interact and are interrelated. But that people are feeling like they don't need to hang on to gold right now. So when there's more sellers than
2: buyers, the price of gold goes down. Yeah, the price of gold and the direction it's headed, gold futures in particular, uh, can be an indicator to you of where the dollar is headed. Uh, because again, you know, anything denominated in a dollar is going to be affected by the rise and fall of the dollar's value and this is where it gets kind of tricky because you have a world now where there is not a single currency that is backed by anything real. It's all really based on the economy of the issuing authority. Yep. So the U.S. dollar is backed up by the U.S. economy.
0: It wasn't always like that, right? In past, many currencies have been backed up by a basket of goods or a precious metal or comparison to other currencies. But now they're basically what we call fiat currencies. They're just the, the full faith and credit of whatever issuing Entity it is.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, especially if you're a little bit younger or you're not the type of person who cares to study economic history, you know, you may be a little bit uh, naive or ignorant about how some of this all came about, but it really hasn't even been that long. I mean, you know, it was uh, back in the forties when the Bretton Woods agreement came in where the world basically recognized the U.S. dollar as as good as gold and could redeem the dollar for gold. And as long as the U.S. economy was strong, we had more money coming in than going out. We always had plenty of gold. Well, in, in uh, the early 60s, we implemented a tremendous spending program called the Great Society under Lyndon Johnson. And the result of that was in the Vietnam War, we were spending tons of money. So we had a lot of dollars going out and not coming back. And so when people would redeem those dollars for gold, our gold reserves were being depleted. Well, in 1971, Richard Nixon says, well, this is a problem. And he blamed it on speculators and came on TV and made this big speech. But at the end of the day, what he did was he disconnected the U.S. dollar from gold. And the result of that ever since has been an unprecedented level of inflation, which conversely means a unprecedented decline in the value of the dollar. And so gold is how you try to get something... To tether value to in in this moving landscape, you know, because uh, the dollar is worth this much euros or this much Canadian dollars or this much yen or this much Aussie dollars and everything's moving and it's hard to figure it out because none of them are real. Gold is considered to be real. And so you say, okay, here's the value of gold and an ounce of gold will buy a men's suit in 1920. It'll buy a a very nice men's suit in 2013. So In terms of changing something real, gold, for a man's suit, something that's real, the relative value has remained constant. What's changed is the purchasing power of the dollar. It takes a lot more dollars in 2013 to buy that men's suit than it did in 1920. This is critical that you understand
0: this. The basic premise of this thinking is that the value of gold never changes. The way that gold is denominated in dollars changes every single day. So it's the dollar that's changing, not the gold. Now, you could argue real estate is a real asset. It is, but it's not ubiquitous. All real estate is not the same. A commercial plot here is not the same as raw land over here, which is not the same as agricultural land over there. Gold is the same. Gold is a material that has been proven to be real money for not just dozens of years or hundreds of years, but thousands and thousands of
2: years. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people right now that look at the gold market and go, look, here's the problem with gold. It it doesn't back up anything. Therefore, its utility isn't what it once was. So it has industrial uses, and it's got consumer demand, you know, especially places like India, and those consumers there really like to own gold, some cultures more so than others, and of course these cultures are becoming more affluent, and so they're acquiring more gold. There's also a whole lot of talk about China. China's been aggressively accumulating gold, and they have arguably the strongest manufacturing economy uh, on the planet, if if not number one, they're, they're number two, I mean, but they're right up there, and if somebody was going to make a play for creating a currency in the open market to s- supplant... The dollar is the world's reserve currency. Uh, you could make a strong argument for China if they had enough gold to back it up right And so in China's not just acquiring gold. China is acquiring all kinds of things, farmland, uh, all kinds of mining uh, companies. Uh, they're buying American businesses and staples like food production. I mean so they they are acquiring a lot of the world's production capacity, I think because they wisely understand true wealth is product is production. It isn't money. Money is just a measurement of value that can be easily perverted and changed. And that's why, you know, anytime you buy a paper asset that can be manipulated, it's scary, which is why we, you know, one of the reasons I'm going to make the argument at Freedom Fest that, you know, real estate protects you a little bit from some of those manipulations. Not that it can't be manipulated, but it's a heck of a lot harder to manipulate than say gold, than say stocks, Uh, or the bond market, you know, which we talked about earlier. So when, when you're looking at the gold market, it's telling you what the investment community thinks of the dollar when you're looking at gold denominated in dollars. And right now, people think the dollar is getting stronger. It's less necessary to hedge. But here's an interesting point with respect to gold, and this is something we want to pay attention to. Gold has fallen so far it is very near the actual cost to produce. In fact, there's mining companies that are shutting down or curtailing expansion until the price of gold comes back. Which means if there is a constant demand and a decrease in production, at some point in time there will be a flip-flop in the supply-demand ratio and there's going to be a shortage. And if that happens, the price of gold should move to the upside. So again, you know, are we suggesting you invest in gold? No, I don't really think gold's an investment. But... You know, if you're a real estate investor and you have cash reserves for contingencies and you have float in your checking account, rents coming in, rents going out, you have deposits you're holding, you have a certain amount of money at all times. Maybe you have a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in your account at any given point in time and you never, ever, ever dip below forty or fifty thousand. You may want a dollar cost average at these levels into a ten or twenty or thirty thousand dollar position in gold just as a hedge in case the value of your dollars fall. If your dollars get strong, that's fine. Maybe you lose a little bit on gold, but if it goes the other way, you're hedged. And that's what it's about. It's about trying to walk both sides of the fence. Now, think
0: about this. How many of your tenants do you think own silver and gold? I'm guessing not too many. I mean, I don't know what kind of portfolio you have out there, but... (laughs) That's not in their teeth, right? Uh, I'm guessing not too many, right? It's not the, the mindset. So again, as we're looking at how what are these things signaling for real estate investors, it's more about consumer confidence, in this case, investor confidence, where they see the puck going. Your mission as a real estate investor is to align yourself as best as you can with the market makers. We've talked about this when we talk about the Federal Reserve. Like them or hate them, if you can figure out what they're doing, there's a way to play. As Robert Kiyosaki said on our summit, be the Fed. And it was great. He went on to say that at many events after that, and it's in the new book. Be the Fed, which is print your own money. Easier to do that if you know the direction. We're talking about various market metrics today, and uh, we talked uh, there about gold. And and before we leave the the metals, gold's the the, the main metal, obviously. But when we went to the gold versus U.S. dollar event that the Rich Dad organization did a few years back, one of the reasons that Robert Kiyosaki and many people like silver even more than gold is something you hit on, and that's the, the utility value, that silver is used in a lot of production for all kinds of goods and services and products and if you study the comparison of the price of an ounce of gold to an ounce of silver, you'll see that today silver is very low
2: compared to where it's been over time. Yeah, they call that the gold-silver ratio. It's between 60 and 65 right now. It's been as high as 90 which means that gold was super expensive relative to silver. And way back in the beginning, it was as low as 15. In fact, at one point in history, it was legislated at 15. Right. But, you know, I've been tracking this for probably the last three or four months just to get my mind around it because there's been such volatility. I wanted to try to understand it. It's it's about 63, 64 right now. Um, but the, the thing is, I've heard it said and as I continue to, to study this, and I'm hardly an expert on the matter, but I have read a lot of the things that the experts have said, Most of the gold that's ever been mined still exists. Right. It's hoarded. Uh, it's held by individuals, is you know, jewelry. It's held by individuals in their safe deposit box and gold coins and bullion. It's held by governments in huge quantities, like I just mentioned. China, Russia, for example, are accumulating it like crazy. Uh, whereas with silver, silver is largely consumed. Uh, it's, it's a key component in the manufacture of a lot of electronics and a lot of other things, but obviously electronics is a big one. And so the, the silver bugs, if you will, uh, make the argument that, you know, as goes the gold market, so goes silver, but yet silver gets consumed. And it's possible that silver could end up in a, in a supply demand imbalance favoring the, the holders of silver, meaning there's not enough supply relative to the demand. And at whatever point that people who manufacture products that require silver, whereas the silver component is a very small percentage of the value of that product, uh, they're still going to have an absolute need to get it. And they're going to be willing to pay perhaps two, three times today's price in order to get it because if they don't get it, they can't create their product where the lion's share of the profit is. So it's a very interesting premise. Uh, and again, you know, we're not here to talk about investing in gold and silver. It's really about just understanding how the metals markets are providing a indication into how the markets are valuing the dollar. And of course, the dollar is something that we all denominate our real estate, our rents, our debt. In And, of course, the strength of the dollar also has an impact on the bond market, and the bond market has a direct impact on interest rates. And interest rates, of course, have a big impact on our cash flow. So uh, right now we see interest rates rising. We see gold falling. Both of those are indicative of a market sentiment that says, hey, the economy is getting stronger. I don't know that I see enough evidence to suggest that the economy is getting markedly stronger. I think maybe what's going on is the U.S. is just not as bad as some other economies right now. But we're still spending way more money than we're bringing in. Our taxes are going up, as you mentioned uh, earlier at the top of the show, Robert. Uh, like it or not, whether you think that's good or not, it doesn't matter. It's happening. And it is going to have effect on the little guy. And for the most part, as landlords, the little guy is our customer.
0: Well, and just to tie that into to gold, you're talking about the total supply. I remember hearing that if you took all the gold in the world and divided by the number of people in the world, it's less than one ounce per person. So if you have more than one ounce of gold, you
2: have
0: more than you're a fair share. So uh, there you go. Well, speaking of gold, our real estate trivia question today has to do with gold. And what you're going to win if you have the right answer is as good as gold. Stay tuned for that next. This is the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms.
3: Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Are you excited about real estate investing but not sure where to get started? Learn the secrets of building wealth through real estate in the comfort of your own home. In the Real Equity Home Study Course, professional investor Robert Helms and his team of experts show you why real estate outperforms other investments. Stop dreaming about investing in real estate and start doing something about it. Order the Real Equity Home Study Course today at realestateguysradio.com and click on Resources, realestateguysradio.com
0: estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise and many experts think the best is yet to come.
4: Hi, this is
1: Lawrence Yun, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We got your brain spinning today. You know, sometimes we talk about things that you want to know, and that's called Ask the Guys. We're getting ready for another Ask the Guys show in the coming weeks, so get to the website at realestateguysradio.com, click on the button that says Ask the Guys, and then fire away that burning question, and if it's good enough to make the cut, we'll be answering it in a few weeks. Hey, before we get back to talking about what's happening in the markets, it is time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's trivia question. I've already told you it's going to have something to do with gold. When you hear the question, know the answer. Send us your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The uh, first person with the right answer is going to get a copy of The Social Capitalist, a great book by Josh and Lisa Landon. They're Rich Dad Advisors. They've written an awesome book. Uh, Anyone thinking about starting a business or wanting to learn how to follow their passion, you got to read this book, and you can get a copy of it for free if you know today's trivia question. Now, before we give you this week's question, let's review the answer to last week's question. You recall we were talking about how to find real estate investment train that's right for you. And our question was name the oldest continually running university? The answer is it's the University of Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the University of Hard Knocks. Uh, no, it's the University of Bologna in uh, Italy. The first university in the sense of a higher learning degree awarding institute, uh, was founded in 1088, 1088. 1088. That was a long time ago. Sounds like an IRS form. And you can still go, in fact, there's still some people that are going to college there and living off their parents. All right. So <laughs> here's our trivia question for this week. We were talking about gold and we've already tied in how, you know, real estate investors need to be aware of gold. So this is really a stretch of a real estate trivia question. But since we've talked about it, here's what I want to know. When exactly did President Nixon take us off the gold standard? What date in history was it that he made the official declaration that uh, we're off the gold standard? When did that happen? If you were listening, Russ told you the year Get as close as you can. If somebody only comes up with the right month, they're going to win. If somebody comes up with the right date, they're going to win. If somebody comes out with the right date and time, well, maybe not. But first person with the right date, uh, when did President Nixon officially take us off the gold standard? Not the first time, by the way, that the U.S. was taken off the gold standard. That happened previously. but. In the 70s, when did President Nixon take us off the gold standard? That's today's real estate trivia question. If you think you know the answer, send it to us at trivia at realestateguysradio.com. You could be the proud owner of the Social Capitalist. Our good friends Josh and Lisa Lannon have written an awesome book, and you should get a copy of it that's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking about uh the various markets and what's going on. We've talked about uh gold. Uh, let's talk about the dollar a little bit because certainly there's a there's a play there as the go- as gold goes down dominated in dollars, it says that dollars are going up. but we also compare what dollars will buy in terms of other currencies and if you compare just two currencies, you can kind of see a trend. It's interesting when you start comparing more than two currencies because it's not like everything is weaker or stronger against the dollar. Right. It depends on the currency.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's why a lot of people are advocating for there to be some kind of a a global currency that's backed up by a basket of economies. And, you know, it starts to get pretty scary. I mean, just to take a step back from that concept. And this isn't really a political statement as much as it is just something to think about because things are definitely changing. And as investors, they all affect us. I mean, who would have thought that our, our, the U.S. mortgage system would effectively be nationalized? But that's what happened a few years back. You know, it wasn't formally done, but effectively it was. Most all mortgages being made to homeowners uh, have been being made through uh, government agencies now. There's some talk about making those agencies go away. We'll see. And now we have the same thing going on with our healthcare, which nobody would have really thought. So strange things can happen. But this, there, there are people out there because of these uh, inconsistencies uh, between different nations' currencies, are, are are advocating that somehow there be some basket of commodities or something that backs up a currency that acts as the world's reserve currency. And so the reason that monitoring what's going on with respect to how the world is viewing the dollar as the reserve currency of the world, which is really the point that I'm trying to make, if at any point in time the U.S. dollar were to cease being the reserve currency of the world, what it would mean is all those dollars that are floating around out there in the world as people are conducting business in the reserve currency of the world, that float would all come home. Right. And when you add a bunch of dollars to the U.S. economy... Then the effect is lots of dollars, same production. That's inflation. Yep. That means prices are going up. It it means that there's too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. And so, as Americans, we have enjoyed the benefit of having the reserve currency of the world. We almost don't even know how to look at the world economy through any other lens. And, uh, you know, we've been following Simon Black, who does this sovereign man thing, and it's his whole concept is uh, about planting multiple flags and, and, and being an international person and really having an international viewpoint. Uh, Of course, we're big advocates of that, especially as the United States goes through its different gyrations. Uh, It's probably a smart idea to diversify a little bit, even if you don't do it from a real estate perspective, maybe from a currency perspective, but certainly from an understanding perspective. Because again, what what China and Russia are doing right now could have an effect on the dollar. If in fact they are working together or individually, especially China, to try to somehow supplant the dollar as the reserve currency of the world, that would have a profound effect on the U.S., But it's probably not just going to happen like a big surprise one day. It'll happen gradually. And if you're watching, you'll see it and probably in time to do something about it. If you're not paying attention, then you're going to wake up like a lot of us did in 2008 and go, what happened i mean what happened because nobody was watching the bond market or the derivatives market understanding what was really going on and how it was going to blow up the mortgage business that's why on this show we have spent so much time the last uh, three four years five years now uh, really teaching investors how to study that because the clues were there the whole time
0: there's a great quote about those that never study history are doomed to repeat it right if you don't learn from the mistakes that have happened then you're going to do the same thing is keep stubbing your toe on the same part of the wall well if you look This has happened before. This is the first time that currencies have been debased, currencies have gone to nothing, fiat currencies have dried up and been replaced by something else. We had an interesting uh, opportunity a couple years back on the 2012 Investor Summit to have a bunch of guys from Estonia that had lived through that and shared in one of our roundtable discussions, which is something we always do on the summit. And people were mesmerized by that. Like these kids, and they were in their 20s and 30s, had lived through that exact thing. And they explained, here's what happened, and here's how it manifested, and here's what we had to do. But one of the points is, and this is a point Simon Black would make, If none of this ever happens, being prepared isn't going to hurt you. Right. Right. Having a flag planted somewhere else, doing your banking in one place and your entity structure in another place and your income in another place and living in another place, it's not going to hurt you, but it may very well protect you. So if we see that there is some substantial change in what the dollar is, how it's valued, hyperinflation, where do you want to be? You certainly don't want to be a saver right you don't want to be sitting on piles of dollars you want to be owning some sort of production well how does a real estate investor own production it's really easy you produce a monthly rental property every single month and that transaction settles every single month Whatever the currency is, if it's some new currency, if it's coconuts or bananas, whatever, if it's gold, whatever it is, people living under your roofs are going to have to figure out how to bring value to you.
2: Right. That's a really interesting premise. I'm glad you brought that up because the idea is that tenant, where is that money coming from? I mean, you know, again, coming back from this 100,000 foot view and bringing it back down to earth, when we go into a marketplace, we want to know who's my tenant, where do they work? How many people like them are in the marketplace in line behind them? So if this guy moves out, has a life change, whatever, somebody going to step in and take his place. So when we're investing in production, the production we're investing is the production of that human being. And so we like jobs that are based in the economy that's local. And and I don't mean that things that are happening like the support jobs, we talk about primary and secondary drivers, but for example, Memphis. Memphis has FedEx. FedEx is the big driver and it's kind of a one-trick pony. Granted, but you've got the river right there, which is a big, uh, source of, of commerce and has been for way before there was even motorized vehicles. You've got its strategic positioning as a distribution center in, in that part of the world, feeding almost all of the United States. Uh, and so you've got all kinds of an infrastructure in place. So you, you're not going to take distribution jobs and move them to China because the product has to move where the consumers are. And there's still lots of people here in the United States, still a great market. You could say the same thing for Texas with the oil and gas, and it is a distribution hub also because of its strategic location. Or you could even say it about places as we've always noticed with with coastal areas, right? Yeah, how do you put a beach in Nebraska? You're not going to do it, right? So there are certain jobs that are always going to exist linked to where the real estate is physically. Yeah. And now the other thing that's very intriguing right now is, is farmland. If, if distribution chains get disrupted as a result of a currency change or a currency collapse or any type of economic disruption, it doesn't even have to be currency. It could be a war. It could be whatever. Whoever has closer access to the means of production I mean of the essentials of life is going to be able to weather that storm a little bit better you know you watch these shows with these preppers and whether you're you're prepping for the zombie a- apocalypse or whether you're prepping for uh, you know financial collapse or, or invasion or uh, pick whatever your disaster of choice is but at the end of the day if you're the guy that's got enough food and water and, and ammunition to protect yourself for six months how much better offer you are if if it's a Katrina or a, you know, a, a hurricane or an earthquake, I mean, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. And to your point, Robert, if it never happens, so what? Right. I mean, you know, why not, why not take the steps to protect yourself? So we're looking at that and we're saying, okay, real estate is a tool in our toolbox as, as human beings to create a life that we want to create. And we're all enamored of big capital gains and we're all enamored of having cash flow passive income sit around, mailbox money. That's great. Um, but it's also a great asset protection tool. I mean if I can move my money offshore and stick it in a piece of real estate, that is not easy to repatriate in a lawsuit, a frivolous lawsuit of which the US is king. Or even find when a prosecuting attorney is looking for your assets. Well, and that's the privacy issue, you know, if you're a very private person, the United States continues to create very strong technologies to cross-reference and index everything that somebody owns. Now, your medical data is going into a national database. Uh you've got your financial records all in a national database. We've already seen what goes on with the IRS, right? And and how those databases can be compromised. Either on purpose or by accident, phone records. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And so- if
0: it wasn't bad enough that they've got all this information, then people go out there and make
2: it worse by tweeting and Facebooking. Yeah, right. And now they
0: add fill in all the gaps into their personal lives. Yeah,
2: so you know, it it, it can make some sense for people who have anything worth protecting to diversify it and put it in places like, for example, if I set up my home and I'm going to store gold and I'm going to store food. I'm probably not gonna put it all in the center of the room with a big flag on it saying, here's everything in my life that's valuable to me, come, you know, here it is. I'm not gonna put like a list on a clipboard and hang it at the door so if the thief comes in, he can go, okay, now I know where everything is. I'm gonna hide it I'm gonna have you know a little secret compartment here I'm gonna put it behind the bookshelf there I'm gonna have a safe somewhere else so you know they might find one or two things but they're not gonna find everything this is the concept of an international asset protection diversification strategy foreign bank accounts foreign real estate entity structures and you're not doing anything illegal right Google does it Apple does it. GE does it. I mean, people do it because it's the smart thing to do. Mitt Romney, right? Mitt Romney had stuff offshore. People tried to make it like he was some type of an evil guy because he he took advantage of what was in the law to protect his wealth. I... To me, that's a smart guy. That's yeah. a diligent
0: guy who's doing what he's supposed to be doing. and that's, That pays less than 15% in taxes? I want to know how he does it. I don't want to yell at him for doing it.
2: Right. I mean, as long as you're like, like Apple got called out, right? I mean, people are saying Apple, the, the United States' number one highest taxpayer pays more money than any other entity or human being in the United States of America and they get called out by the U.S. Congress for not doing enough because somehow they've taken advantage of doing business offshore and, you know, of course they're they're selling their products offshore. Great. And they're using some of that money to create jobs here in the U.S. Great. And of course they've created all kinds of value for their shareholders, many of whom are us citizens and pensioners and so on great great and we should be giving them a medal of honor and instead we're calling them out but the point is even if you're just a little investor when is it too soon to start thinking about setting up your international strategy for privacy for tax benefit for asset protection and of course to make a profit because you could i mean there's the bank accounts that yield better than in the united states so the point is it can be all very overwhelming. Or it can be all very interesting and stimulating. It just depends on how you choose to look at it. I choose to look at it as it's extremely interesting. And there are so many people who have aspects of that that they figured out that, you know, it's not like you have to discover all this on your own, but you do have to plug in and pay attention.
0: We're talking about what's going on in various markets and how that affects us as real estate investors. And mostly, we're helping Russ prepare for the asset class debate (laughs) coming up later this week. Big asset class debate. Stay with us more for the Real Estate Guys when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need
3: help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
0: The votes are in, and this year's Investor Summit at Sea was a massive hit. Summiters called it life-changing, far beyond expectations, which were very high, and the best summit yet. If you missed the boat this year, then make plans to join us in 2014. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. It all begins March 8, 2014 in Houston, Texas. Visit Real Estate Guys Radio and click the tab that says Summit to sign up for the advanced notice list. You'll get all the details the minute they get released so you can reserve your spot. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea.
4: You already know that Dallas-Fort Worth is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. Now all you need is a great source for turnkey properties. Great news! Wilson Investment Properties has been providing fully renovated, rented, positive cash flow properties to real estate investors for over 10 years. Founder Tom Wilson is an avid investor himself. With over 200 units of his own, you know he understands what investors need. Contact Tom and his team at 888-510-6838, extension 123 or send an email to wilson at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Hi, this is Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully your mind is spinning and in a good way. You got to be thinking about this stuff, right? Sometimes we talk about really tactical things to be doing in your investment portfolio, but we got to step back and go, whoa, 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 big picture. Things are changing. A lot is moving, right? Again, like it or not. Taxes are going up in America. Now we have listeners in more than 170 countries now. Taxes are going up in most of them. So it's not like this is a unique situation in the US and it's not because of this president or that president. It's happening. Deal with it. Figure out how to invest in places where your government, wherever you live, gives you incentives to invest. In the US and many other countries, one of the incentives we have is to invest in real estate. Investing in real estate gives us tax benefits and breaks that other investments do not give us probably more than any other investment or almost any other investment. There's a few that have really unique aspects like oil and gas. Study those. But there's reasons to consider if taxes are going up, how can I be even that more protected? So there's a lot going on. In fact, oil's interesting. Oil futures are, are up, right? And it uh, will we'll be interesting. We're going to have uh, uh, Paul Mastelli on the program uh, coming up. He's been a faculty member on our su- uh, summit two different years, We've never had him on the radio show, yeah. right? Now, one of his associates, Wayne Kirchman, on the show to talk about oil and gas over the years. But Paul is uh, is really knowledgeable about it. It's going to be interesting to, to watch. And, and really, you could argue that oil and gas is a real estate investment. I mean, it's certainly a land-based production type of an investment the
2: irs considers it a real estate they
0: sure do you can 1031 in and out of it all kinds of stuff so there's a, a lot to be uh looking at but you know the thing is not to get your head swimming to the point that you don't do anything instead it's how can we read the signs of what the market is doing to tell us which direction to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, how hard is it to open a foreign bank account? How hard is it to buy an ounce of gold? How hard is it to even invest and buy a piece of foreign real estate? Those things aren't hard to do. They're easy to do. They're easy not to do. Right. You know, and so, you know, you have to make up your mind it, whether you think it's important to have a little diversification going on. You know, we happen to be advocates of that. Doesn't mean we're right, but that's just the way we feel about it. So, you know, you can do your own thought process and figure that out. The good news is uh, that there are all kinds of resources. You know, the summit is a great resource where you get a chance to spend a week uh, with people from all over the world, you know, we talked to the guys from Estonia and, and other countries. We had 16 different countries represented on that particular trip. You have a guy like Peter Schiff, who's a big advocate of foreign stocks, and so even though he isn't a real estate guy, he studies the economies of foreign countries and he studies the macro trends to figure out which companies have the best chance to uh, to do well. And, so, and he's a pretty fun guy to hang out with. We discovered a, yes, very he is. fun guy. We
0: had such a good time with the Mr. and Mrs. Schiff. They are coming back. On the Investor Summit at Sea in March of 2014, and you can come with us. Check out the details at realestateguysradio.com. If you want to not be limited by your own personal income and your own personal hours, if you want to basically be the Fed and print money and have money anytime you want it, you need to learn to use other people's money to go do a deal anytime you want, not just when you saved up enough capital. We do that through something called syndication and a couple times a year we do an amazing event called the secrets of successful syndication uh we're deciding in the middle of summer to go in august to phoenix arizona that'll be a lot of fun Uh, but we're not going there for the weather we're going there because it makes it easy for ken mcelroy to be on our faculty ken mcelroy will be joining us uh, for the third time for this event and for the first time CPA Tom Wheelwright will be joining us to talk about the tax side of raising people's money. But the, the real big thing about this is it's just a great way to be in charge of your own destiny.
2: You know, of all the, I mean, the summit is a great demographic and we get people from all over, but the syndication seminar is a great demographic. We get people who are serious people, serious real estate investors, professional people. They come in and they are extremely interested in figuring out how to, instead of look for a job, create a job. Uh, it's almost like wanting to be a hedge fund manager. Right? How do I create a fund and how do I go out and invest money on behalf of my investors and make a profit with the vehicle of real estate or the paper side? Uh, of real estate, there's two sides of it. There's the there's the dirt side and there's the paper side. Then and they're both good. Collect the management fee and some profit sharing, and there's a lot of creativity in the deal. You can offer people who tax benefits, which is one of the reasons Tom's going to be there. Mauricio Raúl is going to be there to help make sure that everything is done compliantly, that you obey the law. He's not in the military. He is an attorney, <laughs> so an, yes, he's, he's, he's going to make sure that yeah, that, that that's happens. Right that's right so it's going to be a great event we've expanded it now to two days because we tried to do it all in a day and then it became a day and a half and finally we said you know let's just let's be what it is right it's a two day event let's make it a two day event and, and there'll be a, a social networking thing on the Friday night so a fabulous time to expand your brain to expand your network Uh, and really take that next step towards going full-time fast or taking your real estate investing to the next level.
0: There's also a special price if you bring your spouse or your partner. Check it out at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events. Hey, thanks to the folks in our Resource Center who helped make our show possible. Thanks to you for listening. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys. And for some of you, we'll see you in Las Vegas this week at Freedom Fest. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen.
3: This episode of The Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at BeYourBank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct. Asset protection strategies for real estate investors. From attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton.